all living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. Hey, everybody. It is time for the podcast is real. That's right. We've been away for a while. Seems like it's been forever. And it's been like a month almost since we had our last episode. Um, I think my beard was a little bit even shorter than last time we were together, but it's been a while. We're glad to be back tonight. It is uh, Sunday night, seven o'clock. That means we're going to geek out together with some guests and we've got a great guest for you tonight. Really excited to introduce them to you uh, a little bit later. But in the meantime, I'm going to bring in my colleagues, Utah and Aliyah. Welcome back. It's been a while. How are you guys? Hi. Greetings, programs. Oh, 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 oh. <gasps> Where did you come from? On another I episode came from of. your blood. So we've got uh, Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park is uh, Utah's g- gizmo corner. I don't know what to call it. He's now <laughs> been immort- Mr. DNA has now been immortalized as a Funko Pop. That's funny. That. That's cute. Clear head. He's got. A, I mean, they did a good job in this one. I got to admit, I like yeah. this one a lot. I like that. And of course, Dude. you know this. So celebrating the uh, the release of the last Jurassic World. Trailer. I know. Did you see that trailer? Yeah, pretty cool. And you know what? They're they're doing the whole let's let's bring the OG cast back. Yeah, a la Star Wars. It's the Force Awakens Better. of Jurassic Park. Better, right? But let's do it right. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks it looks like they're doing it right. I was super happy. I had a smile on my face as soon as I saw the original cast. Um, yeah. I you know okay. same thing same like when that I paused it on the shot that's all three of them standing there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah, like. Yeah. This is what I've been waiting for. Like, that's what I have been waiting for the whole time. Right. Um, and to, I mean, to be fair, the Jurassic World, they, they, you know, they've gotten their fair share of criticism, um, especially the second one, I think, was not as well accepted as the first one. Um, I saw but I, 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 they're entertaining. I mean, they're, they've been fun. You know what I mean? Let's think, yes. let's think about like the original Jurassic Park is, is a classic. It's one of the greatest, you know, kind of like, uh, we were in line films. back back when they actually had midnight shows because this was back at Ohio State. We were in line. <laughs> right. Was it for the first showing? Well, when was it? In Columbus. <laughs> in 90 something. In, in, in 1994. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, it was 94. <laughs> I was born in 94. So. <laughs> um, we, actually, we, we actually made the 11 o'clock news. Because they had a live shot and we were like waving behind the red. The, the I vaguely remember. See, my, uh, I have, my I don't remember gone. what I did uh, like three <laughs> hours ago, but I remember that from right? 1993. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. That, the original movie was fantastic, right? It's just incredible. an absolute classic. It's a yeah. Spielberg, uh, just, you know, masterpiece. But then, you know, I mean, Lost World, the second one. Mm. Of course, his daughter stows. I mean, it's just like they follow that trope of putting a child in trouble. And then the third, uh, the third one was even worse. It's like now how did this kid get on the island? Oh, this they parasailed into the, and we got to go save him. It was just it was a lot, um, but they're fun. Like they're still entertaining. Like I, I still kind of enjoyed them. Although I did kind of freak out a little bit when Mister Noodle from Sesame Street gets eaten in Jurassic Park Three. That, that was a little much. Yeah. Do you remember Mr. Noodle on Sesame Street? That's a little, a little yes. uh, It was on Elmo's World, right? Elmo yeah. would always talk to him. I remember. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. 
he gets totally eaten in <laughs> Jurassic Park three. And I'm like, oh, I can't show this to my children. This yeah. is going to be very, very obviously traumatic. Eaten. Like there's no question. Oh, he's eaten. Yeah, <laughs> he's eaten. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that one was good. And now Jurassic World is bringing it all back. And, you know, I thought the first one was fun. Good times. Right. I thought so. Mm-hmm. Second one was a little started to stretch the the boundaries of like what <laughs> I'm willing to felt, believe. The second one, second one felt like a cash grab. It's starting. To, yeah, it was starting to get a little ridiculous. I mean, come on. Well, I, people say that about movies. Come on, every movie is a cash grab. Okay, I'm, fair. All they're right, not. Me, they're not making these movies because they're not the making second, them just because there aren't. They are art. Right, right, but they're right, not right, making right. them just the because second, there are tech. The they want to make felt, money. I mean, there's the no question. That's really why they're there. It felt right? really uh, contrived. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit much, but I don't know. This looks really kind of fun. It looks like it's, you know, I don't know how they're getting where they are now. <laughs> yeah, look, I, 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 I'll be the first to admit, I'm going to go see this one because of the original cast. That's the, that's it. I mean, that was you know, it for me. I just want to see them, those characters and those actors together again. I mean, it, you know, it's just. When I saw Grant and Ellie in the tent and I'm like, oh, yeah. this is going to be fun. And then Ian Malcolm shows up right. and I'm like, I, I, oh, we're in, really? we're in. Here we go. Let's, they got, this is it. They all got you got to do is, yep, all you got to do is bring back, uh, you know, um, uh, a couple of the kids. Uh, there'll be adults now, which they showed up in uh, They showed Lost up in the World. third one? The second, the second one. one. Yeah. Right, they, yeah they, Ian they, they Malcolm stopped. sees them briefly when he goes to yes. get the mission from Hammond. Right. Um, and then they yeah. stopped. And then, one, then the daughter opened the door just briefly. That was like her cameo. She opened the door, answered the door and said, oh, no, sorry. Something like that. I feel, I feel like I remember them talking on a stairway or something, but yeah, it was just maybe. it was a lame little cameo. Um, but that would be kind of fun. I don't need to see the kids, though. They were the they were, you know, they were great in Jurassic Park, but it still was that trope. It was like, oh, my gosh, let's put children in danger. Right, and in danger. it just ratchets up the suspense. And it did. It's not I'm not, it's not wrong. <laughs> right. We were worried for them in the kitchen. Right. Can they bring Samuel L. Jackson's character back? Did he die in the? Um, in the yeah, movie? he lost his arm at least. I don't he know definitely lost his arm. <laughs> I don't remember if there was. Uh, if, it's just funny because you know, he told everyone. If there's to hold any on proof their butts. that the rest of him is dead, I don't know. He told everyone remember. to hold onto their butts. Somebody should have told him to hold onto his arm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe if his arm had been holding onto his butt, like it wouldn't have gotten. Oh, oh then he still have his arm. That's fair. Yeah. Good point. Um, I started to say if, if what if Newman came back, but he was. He's oh, dead he too. was definitely dead. <laughs> I'm still waiting for one of these movies, one of them, to to talk about that Barbasol can with the DNA in it that got buried on that island. Like that that seemed that, like it was going to be so like obvious. The obvious. the, the, the right. sequel that would be the obvious never one to do a sequel, right? Never been mentioned since. It's just lost forever. Oh, the freaking so. Uh, I hate weird. those. I, I hate those spray cans with the screw cups. Yeah. <laughs> That one escape room, the one escape room we tried. What that the whole reason we didn't escape was because of that damn spray can of whatever. Oh, we didn't. Don't bring that escape room. Have you ever done an escape room, Aaliyah? <laughs> no, I have not. We were you know what we're talking about, though, right? Yes. You, yeah, we got to do one. Close. We should do one as as we're as the as a group. Oh, like we should, was somebody gonna have a GoPro on their head? Yeah, we should. Well, we yeah, should do that. We're gonna do it. We should do. But that. we would have we to have very to. carefully edit it so we don't give away like secrets, or else they wouldn't let us do it. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, uh, but. I've seen, you know, Conan did one. So, I mean, they're able to do it without giving it away. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was so funny. Do you remember that? <laughs> but, yeah, we should try it sometime. It's good times. I would be good down times. for that. Yeah. Um, so, like yeah. Like a haunted house. 
what else has been going on? So um, we're waiting on our guest. He is uh, going to be arriving a little bit late. He was doing some. Uh, he works. Some, yes. Yeah. Well, he was doing. He was doing his talent that he's going to share with us tonight uh, actually live somewhere. So he's coming straight from there uh, to spend time with us. So that's awesome. But uh, in this past month, I've been binging like a lot. Like I binged a lot of shows. Even in the last couple of weeks, I binged a lot of shows. What? what, I didn't have a lot of time to binge, but I I, I watched, I binged, I binged the, uh, uh, all of us are dead. That was the a good Korean one. zombie thing on Netflix. Um, yep. Watched all of Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, well, that's something we that we were doing. We didn't do it with Aaliyah because she's still, we're, we're, we were just having, before the show started, we were, we were just talking about finally, finally watching Empire with her and moving through the, the Star Wars universe with her. So um, that's going to happen uh, this week. I think we're going to try to make that happen so we can finally get her up to speed. You can watch some of these Star Wars shows on Disney plus and, and and we can all geek out together over it. It's going to be great. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> oh, but in the meantime, uh, Utah and I have been appearing on Circle of Nerds on right. Wednesdays, the night after a Boba Fett episode would would come out. The night of. We would actually. recap and yeah, we would recap it and then talk about it and totally geek out. And uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I don't know if you guys watched it. It's they're still out there. You can go to Circle it. of Nerds and check them out. <laughs> Yeah, you were asleep during most of them. So, I, um, no, uh, I uh, yeah, I thought it was a great time, uh, even if the show was odd. Uh, yeah, was we're not going to go into it here, but yeah, it was, it was just, adequate. Yeah, it was a weird. It was a weird show. Yeah, I heard that fell out, uh, came together, but there was a lot of stuff to enjoy, and uh, we did enjoy it. So we watched or we talked about that with Circle of Nerds, which gave us the idea um, um, uh, to finally. Right. Because what's that? No, I was going to say that's right. There's a there's an idea that's coming up. Well, know. you know, it's something that we've been thinking about doing since last year, actually. Since all these Marvel shows started kicking off, is kind of doing like a little after show type of podcast or something like that. And um, I've been toying with the idea and toying with the idea. And then we went and did the Boba Fett show with those guys, and we're going to do the Obi Wan show when that show comes out with them. And so I'm like, why not? Why don't we just do it then? Why don't we just do it? I've been talking about it. I mean, they just said, we're just going to do it. So we're just going to do it too. So starting with Moon Knight, yes. March 25th, I want to say is the first yeah. day. Um, we are going to be uh, premiering our first episode of the Shwarma Shop. Um, it is a, uh, that is where the Avengers go to debrief after saving New York from everything. And so that's going to be where we go to debrief after all the Marvel shows. So Circle of Nerds will do the Star Wars shows um, on Wednesday nights. We'll do the Marvel shows on Wednesday nights. They won't overlap, which is great. Disney's doing that because they want people to stay subscribed for forever. They don't want anybody to binge like all of the shows at once. Right. Um, so, yeah, they're staggering each of the, you know, it's like Star Wars, Marvel, Star Wars, Marvel, Star Wars, Marvel. So we'll be back for She-Hulk. We'll be back for um, Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Uh, whatever else they do. And we may even do a special episodes when, when uh, like, the movies drop. Like, uh, a Multiverse of Madness. Strange. Oh, I'm Doctor so Strange. excited for that. Which, Especially that new that trailer. trailer. Right? Yeah, that voice. Yeah. Right? People at home that can't voice? see me doing the Home Alone here, but that's right? what I'm doing. <laughs> Holy Those cow. Chairs. Those chairs and that voice. Ah. Something, something's up there, man. I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. And it's one of those things you can't possibly 
speculate enough on because we thought Quicksilver was in WandaVision. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, we don't want know, another, we don't want another Rob Boner. Uh, incident. Yeah. Or whatever his name is. But yeah. So there you go. Um, uh, that's coming. So be sure to follow us on everything. Twitch, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, all of the fun things like that. And uh, you'll be updated. You'll, we'll let you know exactly when that stuff's coming. Um, so all that said, uh, I am very excited to announce that our guest is, has arrived. Um, so I actually met today's guest at the Cleveland gaming classic, uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit ago, a little just last year where he was performing piano arrangements of classic, uh, NES and other video game music. Um, he's even played piano for some, uh, Broadway touring shows that have come through Cleveland and, uh, he's super talented. We're lucky to have him on the show tonight. I'm going to introduce him now. Rob 88 bit Kovacs. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey everyone. Nice to see you. Thank you for having hey, me Rob, on. Welcome. There he is. Hello, hello. I also forgot to mention he sports an epic beard, which I am <laughs> trying to get to at some point. And I'm, I'm working on it. How long did it take just, to get to that? It's just patience. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just got to wait. I'm right? on it too. A couple, I don't know, a good year and a half or so. About a year okay. and a half. And today oh, I'm self-conscious long. about it because I've been wearing a mask all day. So it's like all indented. Oh, right? No. Yes, yeah, so I know. That happens so. to me too. That's fine. I didn't have to, I didn't have time to shower to after it. my last gig, so this is what it is. But dang, but you know, this is like a year and a half of gross on my face. I'm just, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. Utah's been trying for a while. He's been working on his for a long time. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Aaliyah, how, how long have you been working on your beard? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Have- it's the it's it's the mustache. Uh, the women whiskers. Oh. The women whiskers. Every, is that, every, is that yes. what it's called? I don't know what it's called. That's what I oh, call okay. it. But I was like, is woman, that an actual okay. term? <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like I it fits with women I, I whiskers. There are so many women that like, you know, maybe go get it waxed or bleached so many or whatever. Bleaching. But they have like the peach fuzz. You know, it's the yep. same thing. We just it just right. doesn't grow as in-depth as <laughs> as as Rob's beard. As Rob. So like and which is again, as I said, pretty epic and amazing. Um, so I, in fact, I'm going to make it larger so everybody can see what we're talking about here. Um, but as you can see, Rob's <laughs> sitting at a piano. Rob is, uh, like I said, an amazing, uh, p- pianist. He is a multi-talented musician, singer, songwriter. You've written, uh, you've got your own album out there on Spotify. I think at least one, right. Um, that is, that is not video game related. It's just kind of you doing your music. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, I have an, I released an album almost exactly a year ago in February. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, just my music with a, with an, and a band playing. It's more of an indie rock album. Nice. Uh, and it's all under my name. It's all just songs about, uh, it's pretty much one relationship straight through kind of in a, kind of a concept album. And, uh, I've released another album with a band earlier, like 2006. So a good while ago called Return of Simple. So that's the only like non-band stuff that I've released that you. is on in yeah on streaming services and stuff. Well, tell us a little bit about how you got started playing music in the first place. Um, I had a piano growing up, and I had older siblings who played music. My older sister was uh, like twelve years older. She played piano, and uh, oh, she knew a few songs, and I would love it, and I would like dance around. And so she, I credit her with inspiring me to want to learn how to play piano. Um, I also had an older brother who played drums, like loved prog rock and would just mm-hmm. jam out. And I would always be amazed by 
how he could just improvise and play. And he was, he's a lot older. He's 21 years older than me. Uh, the same parents and everything. Uh, so that's where my love of music came from. And my two, mainly my two, I also had another, another brother who played uh, guitar a little bit and a little bit of bass. Uh, and he played in a wedding band. So all three of them were, uh, you know, they played music to some level. And then uh, uh, that inspired me. So I tinker around on piano and make up little melodies. And, uh, um, you know, they would teach me little things. And by the age seven, started taking piano lessons and uh, really didn't really care for them too much. You know, I wanted to play sports or play video games instead. <laughs> but I did always connect with the piano and um, um, really connected with it and started writing my own songs at 10, like my own little piano songs. Like, wow. We're talking like Kenny G type stuff and Yanni. Like that was <laughs> there you go. Axel F. That was the inspiration back, back <gasps> then. Axel F. Classic. Um, Whoops. Yeah. And pretty early on though, I like around 10, I, I was I said this earlier. I, I had an uh, I did a, a short interview earlier. This you're my second interview today. It just happened to be both on the same same day. <laughs> oh my goodness, um, you're a hot commodity. Today it was just both of them today. <laughs> today. Um and I I wrote I remember I wrote my first like piano song when I was 10. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's, this is what I want to do. I'm going to write music for my life. So wow. that's not, uh, very common, but I've kind of been working that way ever since, uh, I've been in bands in high school. I went to college for music, for, got a degree in music theory, not because I wanted to be a music theorist, but just because <laughs> I liked composition. I liked performing on piano. Uh, I also liked theory, but I just wanted to learn as much about music as I can, as I could to really be uh, a better songwriter and performer. Awesome. And so sure. you mentioned that you uh, often the video games and the piano would compete for your attention. At what point did they merge? Because that's what you're doing now. Well, before they merged, they split. So when I was 14, <laughs> I, yeah, there was a big mistake. My probably the biggest mistake in my life. I was a, uh, uh, I remember 14, I was taking lessons now with a teacher at the Cleveland Institute of Music. So I was mm. a freshman in high school. And so I was like, all right, I got to take music seriously. And um, I'm going to sell a bunch of my video games. So Ooh. I had like a bunch of super, a bunch of Nintendo games. And mm -hmm. it was the cool thing to do was to sell your Nintendo games now. Because mm -hmm. uh, they didn't work anymore or they stopped, you know, you had you get a blow on them to try and get them to work. And then they stopped say, working and the Super the Nintendo was cooler. <laughs> Yeah. And computer games were getting way better graphically. So I was like, all right, I'm going to sell almost all of them. I couldn't sell almost all. I couldn't sell them all. I kept like my favorites, like Mega Man 2 and Zelda nice. and like some multiplayer games like Double Dragon 2 or World Cup Soccer. Yeah. So, but I sold like the boxes and everything for like $2 each. Oh, oh, wow. geez. oh, you had the boxes and the <laughs> oh, manuals no. and everything. Oh yeah. Kept, oh yeah. Kept everything. In, nice. In shape. <laughs> Gotta so, keep them in condition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they, yeah, so they all sold at a garage sale really for, for nothing. And really the guy, they were originally listed for $5 and he wanted to buy them all. And I said, here, I'll take it for two. <laughs> wow. What am, oh what am I doing? And so the thing was, I was going to focus on, on music. Um, because yeah. uh, you know, games at the time were still just toys. So as you're getting older and becoming like, trying to become an adult you want to shed your toys um at least back then and uh so that was the thinking like, i'm gonna focus on, on music so i regret that very much <laughs> and uh so by the time especially, I, especially if you take a, a, a little peruse at ebay any time of the day yeah, yeah. Oh, see how much those games are selling left for now right 
Like, not two dollars. <laughs> I know, dude. Oh, I know because now I collect. Oh. Now I collect games, and uh, and the reason I collect is because I, I when I moved here, it's right by a, a game exchange, which is mm. like right across the street. Oh yeah, uh, or just the exchange, and uh, just so exchange. I can walk in there. Yeah, and buy. So I wanted to buy back the games that I sold. Which is how it starts. You know, that's how it starts for a lot of collectors. <laughs> that is how it starts. Try to rebuy the games you had as a kid. And um, and then you just, it doesn't stop there. You just keep on, oh, let's try this game. My friend had this game. This was cool. Uh, oh, I never had Mega Man 1. Let me try that. That would be fun to have. And then, you know, you end up with 400 games after 15 <laughs> years or so. So what are your what are your consoles then? That, what, are your, what do you have at home that you're playing on? Uh, I have an NES. I have an SNES. Mm-hmm. And I have an Oculus Quest. Oh, nice. That's it. So no GameCube, you didn't move past the SNES. Is that is that like the, the classic kind of uh, era for, I feel like it is to me. Yeah. At least the Super Nintendo, especially. Like it was really, really big. And it may have just been how old I was at the time that I remember it being so. But uh, yeah. I mean, I grew up with an Atari, so <laughs> that's how old I am. I mean, I had an Atari. My sister had an Atari too. So that was the, yeah, we I had we had an Atari, but then like. I got an NES for Christmas and like there's that movie that's yeah. coming out. It's like, oh man, that is, yeah, I am. I am the, the, the audience for that movie. Like the wizard, the, the Christmas movie. Yeah, well, the Christmas movie that's coming out. Oh, yeah, the Christmas right, movie right. this, that just came out. Yeah. Oh right. gosh. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, that's the best. So I was six and yeah. Santa brought a Nintendo and you know, he freaked out. It was the best. It was <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Like, oh my gosh, yep. I can't believe I got this gift. It, it seemed just such like a huge thing. And, um, yeah, so that was that was what I grew up on NES, and then eventually the SNES, and that was it. But like I said, I tried to focus on music, so I didn't buy any consoles after that. Oh, that's true. That makes sense, right? So the, the Super Nintendo was the last thing, was your last journey into video games, and that's when you took the path through music. Yeah, and I, I started. I played some um, computer games too, uh, like SimCity 2000 was was a fun one. Oh, jeez, um, I wasted so and much then time in SimCity. <laughs> one of those, yeah, <laughs> loved loved that game. Uh, all the a bunch of the Sim games, like I had Sim Ant, even like there was so, there was so oh, many yeah. weird Sim games. I know it's um, crazy. Oh my gosh, that is a blast from the past. I, I remember that Sim Ant. Yes, that's hilarious. They made a lot of offshoots. Sim Copter. Yeah. What else? They have Sim Isle. It was an island one. There's so many weird ones. Yeah. Um, but, uh, to, to get back to your question, like what, what how do I get back into video game playing? So, mm-hmm. uh, or, or playing, you know, marrying the two music and video games, um, two part, two part answer. So in, in high school I had a band and, uh, my friend was like, Hey, check it out. And he like downloaded like the music to Mario, Super Mario brothers. And it was just like three, three stabs with each individual line. I was like, Holy crap. How did you get this? This is like. 1999. <laughs> so this was like way pretty, pretty early. Yeah. So like, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah. So my band learned, a, we did an arrangement of Super Mario Brothers in like 1999, which is pretty early. And like yeah. everybody flipped out. That was the, our biggest hit every time we'd ever <laughs> played a song. Um, so that was my foray into playing video game music live. Um, and now doing the piano stuff um, that came back in 2010. There's, uh, you know, there are some YouTube videos of video game music where you know, people would kind of tinker around and like play like the melody of like a Mega Man song, but it really wasn't, it was just literally like a crappy camera video and then barely playing the melody and it would get like 50,000, 100,000 views. And it's like, 
this isn't even doing the music justice. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I want to try and really learn all the notes and um, try and play it on piano. So I started with uh, Airman's theme from Mega Man 2. Nice. Great theme written by Takashi Tataishi. Um, it took forever to learn it because it is really difficult. It's, you know, music written for computers that wasn't intended that, for humans to play. Right. So it's super fast. And you have three individual voices that are just going tons of notes. Um, so I, I uploaded a video to that in 2010. And that did decently well. I, uh, I even got an interview with uh, Game, GameInformer.com. Which was oh, cool. Which was cool. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm not going to do the whole soundtrack, but um, it took a while. I still haven't done the whole. I'm still working on the soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't until like five. It wasn't until 2018 where I like picked up this project. I was like, okay, now I'm going to focus on uh, actually doing some of these video game arrangements, and came up with the name 88 Bit, and then uh, that's how it, that's how that project started. Awesome. And is there um, is is there an origin for the 88? Bit. I mean, no, no, eight bit. But what is there uh, some connection there? Yeah. The so piano. there's 88 keys on piano. Yeah. Gotcha. Love that's that. Is. That's a very clever so, name. I love it. Yeah. So awesome. we refer to you know the 88s or the 88 keys and that. Yeah. So that a full piano has has 88 keys. So that's that's where the name comes from. Eight bit music on 88 keys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I saw that on the website. I think. I th <laughs> And I think you made it, you mentioned something, you make a good point because a lot of people just assume, oh, well, you know, it's 8-bit music. You only have a limited amount of voices and time, whatever else. But like you said, they don't have to worry about the limit, physical limitations of playing that melody or that music on an instrument when you only have 10 fingers uh, to do all that. And so um, to be able to translate that to an arrangement that's playable on the piano is... Um, I find amazing. I think that's incredible. So thanks. Yeah, um, yeah. Part of the appeal is it's very virtuosic. Yes. Uh, to, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. Be able to perform I, live. Um, I've watched some yeah, of your videos. Yeah, particular. You've got some. I'm sorry. You've got some great technique. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, it has improved my technique trying to learn how to um, play this stuff. <laughs> um, but just to mention on that, you brought up a good point. Like, yeah, that music, that era of music, which is only recently people are starting to like pay attention to and actually study. Uh, there's a whole, uh, it's called ludomusicology, the study of video game music. Um, mm. It's starting to become more popular. But that particular era is some of the first uh, computer music that was like mass consumed. So computer music is music performed by a computer. And that's essentially what's happening in, in um, the early Nintendos and the early consoles. Um, it wasn't until you got to CD ROMs where music can be recorded. Everything prior to that, it's the computer chip performing the music live technically so composers it was a unique t time for composers because they for the first time didn't have to worry about human playability like you just said they can write um notes as fast as they want they could jump all over the place as many octaves as they wanted didn't have to worry about the the limitations of the instruments themselves yet they had other limitations like memory was the issue so for the nes mm -hmm. in particular um they only had five voices essentially like if you had five robotic people that could right. do one thing at a time. Three of them could make notes. One could just make like ksh, 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 sounds. And then the other one was like uh, what they call the sample channel. You could, you would use, it was mostly used for like voices. Like, so if you ever play the game, like double dribble, where it says like, you know, double dribble, it's like double really crunchy dribble. and sounds terrible, but <laughs> yeah. that was the fifth channel. So really, really limited in, in what they 
it was both limited and powerful in what they could make. And so they created some music that is was unlike anything ever prior. And and uh, it's a very unique time in music history. So you, the what, what you just described is interesting to me. And it makes me wonder. So when you go to to do an arrangement for a song from a video game, like how does that, ha- do you, is it all by ear? Do you actually break it down into the pieces that you just, do you find like the, the makeup of the song, like, like you just described or how does that yeah, happen for you? That's a good question. Cause um, I don't do it all by ear because there's too much room for mistakes for, um, so for example, there's those three main voices there. They end up all being like in the same, a lot of times they're in the same register. So they kind of overlap. Um, so you might not be able to tell what voice is doing what. So uh, I will get the NSF, which is or the the Nintendo sound file. So all these ROMs have been you know digitized <laughs> now. Yeah. So you can download, you can get the ROM, and you can also download just the sound file. So I pop that into a program called Famitracker. Uh, but you don't need, you can't use just Famitracker. You need another program called NSF Import. So anybody can do this. By the way, this is all free. You can download NSF Import and Famitracker, and then you can places. load in. Anybody can do this. Anybody, yes. I, and I want people to do, do it. this, Rob. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you can do I'm like anyone gonna... with a mouse can do this or a computer. Um, <laughs> you, you can uh, you can at least yes, you can download the the, these files. These files are exa- <laughs> accessible to anybody. So anybody can download this stuff. The yeah, this part right. is it. where it starts yeah. getting difficult. <laughs> the yeah, the performance part is different, but the the transcription part, anybody or they're looking at the file part, anybody can do. So. You download the file of the game, so you want Mega Man 2, you, you get the ROM from various websites. I like um, Zofar's domain, zofar.net. Um, get the ROM, or get the NSF, pop it into Family Tracker with NSF import, and then it shows you every channel and every bit of information like uh, uh, that is in that file. So I can literally see what every note is. I, am, mm-hmm. I can listen to and hear every voice soloed if I want, or I can compare two together. Um, so that way I, then I take that and I write it into notation, transcribe everything. Uh, that way that gives me the most accuracy possible. Right. Then from there, I try to arrange it for the piano, but that's, that's where I start as far as transcription (laughs) goes. So the, when you look at the NSF file, does, does it show it in three, three staves, three staves or? It's not, it's not notation. It's, um, it's a tracker program. Okay. So it's like, yeah, like every, like an eighth, it's like an eighth note, uh, you know, something about this, about this speed or, or about this speed, bop, 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 bop. Every one of those little bops is about mm. eight lines of code. So that's how fast okay. it tends wow. to move. Okay, that, and then they can, you know, they can put a lot of things in uh, to vary the sound and, um, and you'll see, you could see all of that as well. But uh, so it's not, it's not notation. It's just lines of code that are. Uh, now I the see. program okay. allows you to understand it. So like right. it'll say A and then nothing and then B. So, and then maybe whatever the next note is, G. Really? So okay. you can see literally what every note is without having to have any sort of musical reading ability whatsoever. Cool. Wow. I, I, so I encourage people then, to do it. <laughs> if they want to transcribe then, NES stuff. So do you file. then transcribe it into, do you actually write the music in like notation or yeah. how does that go? Yeah, then I use a notation software. I use Sibelius, uh, Sibelius 6, because I don't like the new version of Sibelius. Um, <laughs> so I write it in notation software, uh, all three voices, so that I have the notes. And then from there, I start to try and play it and figure out how to make all that work. On which finger on piano. which hand? Yeah, exactly. So the problem is 
you only have both all three voices are often pretty busy. So the right. problem is trying to get that third voice in there also. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And again, I'm, I know nothing about playing the piano, so it sounds like you would need a third hand to be able to do that. But, uh, <laughs> oh. you do a lot of stuff where you like hold one note and, and you're, yeah. And still move the other ones. Oh. Something like that. That's you do a lot of that awesome. kind of stuff. So what has been, uh, what, what has been like your favorite music, uh, video game? music what has the best soundtrack that you've worked on so far that i've worked on ah. <laughs> <laughs> well for sticking in nes era um one of my that's so tough because they're all so they're also unique there's, there's some great I've, ones. I'm, I, my favorite is this uh marble madness would be my favorite Oh, um, Marble Madness great. is actually an Atari. It's actually an arcade <laughs> game that was then ported to the NES. Um, and uh, arcade games has a lot more power to it, a lot more memory. This particular game was the first arcade game to use a Yamaha DX7 chip. So it was very, which is like FM synthesis. So think 80s, like. Uh, so it sounded oh, fantastic. Of Fears, we'll Madonna, all those like 80s sounds. Um, Genesis is the same kind of sound. Uh, so this arcade uses that sound and the, the composers, Brad Fuller and Hal Cannon wrote uh, this music for this game, this abstract game. So Marble Madness, if you don't know the game, you just control a marble down this 3D isometric abstract world. You try to get from A to B before the time yeah. runs out. Yeah. Before the time runs out is the hard part. So you, <laughs> most people don't get <laughs> right. past level two and you don't get ever get to hear half the music in the game because it's goes by so quick or you don't get to the other levels but the music is great and it's so bizarre there's no other game soundtrack that i've come across that is remotely like it it's dissonant it's jarring it's there's stravinsky references in there or inspiration oh, nice. ravel there's some little bit of minimalism even and just the sounds are all over the place so i love that soundtrack and um and then for the nes um fam another famous composer david wise who worked for rare he was the one tasked with taking the arcade version and like compressing it down to work on an NES, which has a lot more limitations. And he kind of changed some things and kind of made it his own a little bit too. So the combination of all that just creates, just ends up for like a really interesting soundtrack, which I encourage anybody to go check out. Both are cool. The Atari, the Atari version, the arcade version is cool. And so is the NES version. They're both, that's, the NES is what I grew up with. So I'm like a little partial to that. Uh -huh. uh, the NES is a little more sinister sounding. The, ar the arcade is a little more like circusy sounding, but mm. they're both interesting. And that I, I'm going to go with that as far as my favorite retro soundtrack. Awesome. Go ahead, Aliyah. You got a question? I can see. Yes, I've just been letting you guys banter um, <laughs> <laughs> because I want to take it back for a hot second. So, what was the turning point for you? So you grew up, you played. The you know, had these influences in your life. You went to college. When did you not necessarily decide you, you already mentioned that you had, you know, decided to take this music, your music career very seriously. But when was that turning point of, Oh, I could actually do this for real, you know, cause like there's a lot of people, at least for my age, you know, they're, they're like, Oh, that's not, that's not a real career or whatever. You know, you got to do something, uh, something different, you know, but what was that point where you, you started getting these contacts for people, you know, wanting you to, 
Does that make, does that question make sense? Uh, like when did yeah. it become more than just a hobby? I guess is that. Yeah. Because you're, you're in college, at? right? You're, 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 you're studying your, you said that you had, you were in um, high school and you were taking classes at a, at a university. Um, so yeah, it was serious. But when did you start getting, um, when did you start realizing that people were actually interested in what you were doing um, and your, your talent? That's kind of a loaded uh, question, good question, I'm sure. But. No, it's a good question. And the, yeah, there's, um, it's a good question. I, I mean, people were interested early, early. So there's two, I guess kind of two questions. When were people, and when did I notice people were interested and when did I notice, or when did I feel like I can do it? So to answer the first one I just said, uh, early on people were interested when I was in seventh grade or no, even in school. So I wrote, I wrote these little piano songs and then I started doing the little talent shows at school and um, my classmates really were supportive and really loved them. They thought it was super cool that I would write my own songs. And then I remember um, they, you know, we did each class that did a, did a uh, pre presented something with a talent and then they would pick their favorite ones are the best ones to go do it for the whole school. And, uh, I remember getting ready to play my song for the whole school, all grades. And like, I've never felt this type of nerves in my life. I think this was about mm -hmm. fifth grade. Yeah. And just like, you know, heart pounding out of your chest. And like, I go to, you know, get up and finally play my song. And then I finish it. And like, just this huge applause. And like, I, I, you know, I loved that. I, that was just yeah. such, I absolutely loved it. Uh, and in seventh grade, I had about nine songs that I wrote on just piano and I made a tape of it and gave them out to my classmates and, you know, people were in interested in them. So I think from early on, I felt like people were interested in what I was doing. Even so, even that, that young, mm -hmm. um, even in high school, like our people, like our band, our fellow friends, like the band, um, college had a band as well and connected, really connect with people. So I think all my life I felt like, okay, I've got the skill, I've got the talent, I've got something unique to say that does connect with people. Um, when did I start believing it? That's a, that's a deep one because there's always, there always has been self doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm always fighting the self doubt. Yeah, and there's been waves of like successful periods and like dips where like, mm, you know, nothing's really happening. Um, I feel more than ever now though, that I've had a lot going on. The pandemic has really thrusted me. It's actually been really good for me personally, for, for, forced me to kind of focus more, take a step back and also kind of focus more on what it is that I really want to be doing musically. Um, but the, the self-doubt is always there. I can't, my you know parents were very practical. They gave me a lot of opportunities as far as giving me the piano lessons and sending me to college and allowing me to go to college for music. Um, but they really strongly encouraged, like, get a, you need a backup degree. I got many mm -hmm. arguments with my mm. dad about, you know, <laughs> yeah. having a backup degree where I was very mm -hmm. vehement. I was like, well, if I get a backup degree, then I'll use it. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. Right. Right. I need, mm -hmm. I, I believe that I can, I believe that I can, uh, I can achieve my dreams and goals. The, the message that I heard was you can't. That was the message I heard right. from my, my mm -hmm. parents. And I understand where they, as an adult, I understand where they're coming from that. Like they just don't want you to see, they don't want to see their son struggle. Cause. Uh, Absolutely. They didn't know any musicians who, or anyone in that field. 
mm-hmm. who would be successful. Uh, so that they just didn't want to see this on struggle. Um, unfortunately, the message is also that, you know, you can't, you can't do it is, is what you hear from your parents. And as a kid, like that's, uh, that's tough to over, it's tough to overcome. So I've, um, that's something that's always there. And I always kind of try to fight the, uh, the self doubt. Um, but the more that I do, the more that, um, I talk to people, uh, being on Twitch has been a great thing, being able to, to reach all kinds of new people and people actually responding to the music I'm making, being on your show right now is all such positive reinforcement that helps me believe more and more that, yeah, I can achieve the, the goals and dreams that I have. If I just keep pushing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good yeah, advice that for folks too. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to hear. Cause I was, I'm in the exact opposite situation. When I went to college, I wanted to go into music as well. And my parents did the same thing. They said, you know, you, you can't make, you know, I don't, we don't, they basically said, we don't think you're good enough to make money as a musician. You should find, you shouldn't go into engineering or whatever. I ended up going into engineering and now I sit here in the attic with my pop culture stuff. Yeah. So and, so play, the, and you, play the Rob. ukulele. <laughs> right. And now I pick up the ukulele every so often. So good for you, Rob. It's yeah. awesome. That's awesome it, that you're doing what you like to do. And that's, that means a lot. Well, it's also awesome that you know, you knew from a very young age. So there's like, there's a lot of people that don't know, you know, but you were one of those kids. I was like, oh yeah, I found this. This is what I'm going to do. And you stuck with it, you know? Um, so that's, yeah, it's uncommon. It's pretty amenable I mean, Thank you. Yeah, no, and I'm aware that that's uncommon. Most people don't. And I don't think you need to have an, I think anybody can um, be a musician or be an artist at any point, decide to be that at any point in their life. Um, I certainly felt I decided pretty young and, uh, and have been reminded repeatedly that when I am not creating music, I'm not, so I love performing music and writing music. Those are what I love to do the absolute most. When I'm not doing that, um, or if, or if I'm doing music, that's like not really meaningful to me. Like if I'm just like playing like background music and, and I was doing like even, mm-hmm. even in high school, I was doing like background music gigs for craft fairs or, or little things like that. And that didn't oh. inspire me at all. It was, it was, it kind of took the music out of uh, the soul out of the music. And I mm-hmm. knew that I don't want to do that. And when I do that kind of stuff in the past, um, it has, I just felt terrible. I felt bad, like I unhappy. And, it, and when I, it wasn't until like I got, back into doing a concert of my own music or doing something that I feel passionate about that I felt really connects with people that I felt happier again. <laughs> so there's no like not doing music. There's no choice to not do it. If I want to be happy in my life, it is, mm-hmm. uh, it is part of who I am. Wow. How many instruments? Yeah. Oh, sorry. How many instruments do you play? I play, um, I can play drums, a little guitar, bass and sing. And piano is piano is the main instrument, though. So, well, and I, I'm look. I just just realized as we were looking as you were answering that last question that behind you, there are a bunch of other pianos. It looks like right. Like mm-hmm. how many pianos are in the room that you're I think in right there's now? Nine. I think there's nine. <laughs> nine. Here. I'm One, like either two, you have a lot of pianos or you're doing this three, interview four. from a piano uh, store. <laughs> yeah. No. This is my. Uh, yeah. I think there's like nine in here. One, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think there's eight. Oh no, nine. Yeah, there's nine. Nine different keyboard yes. instruments in this room right now. Keyboard instruments, right? Uh, there's so, like an organ back there, and a- yeah. And so you just um, like the different sounds. You just decide this is what's going to work for this song, and and that's why you yeah. have them all. Yeah, just like any yeah any comp- composer, you know, he has a 
you know, wants different sounds. So the piano is of its own thing. That's another piano that I've just had uh, behind me. Where is it? There. Um, that I've had for a while that I, my college band, we would tour, well, we would, we would, we would take that to shows. We would put it in a van and cause I didn't like playing a keyboard. Oh, wow. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, take the whole piano. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was good. Is that a console piano? Out. What was that? Is that a console piano upright? What is that? It's an upright. Yeah. It's an upright. It's, I don't know how about three hundred some pounds. So two people, oh, two yeah. people can do it, yeah. and we put it on like a dolly. But um, yeah, all the different you, get, you know, this, there's a synth over there, a Prophet Five, which is from the '80s, which is just mm. such an awesome sound to it that you can't obviously get with a piano. Mm -hmm, um, right. That's an organ, which of course different sound. There's a Rhodes, an electric piano above that or next to that, and then another a Yamaha DX7 is above that. Then there's a toy piano, and then behind my <laughs> head is. Um, um, I can't think. It sounds like an accordion. I can't think of the name of what that is right now. But yeah, they but all get different sounds. More things That's, to record and make sounds with, make fun, have fun with. So you you took the an entire upright piano on the road because you didn't like to play the keyboard. Is it because, I mean, I know like a lot of uh, electronic keyboards, they don't have the same feel of the keys, like the, the pushback that, yeah, that you're getting weighted. when they're hitting strings. And um, my son has started playing the uh, keyboard a while ago and we ended up buying him one that has that kind of like a force feedback kind of thing to make it feel more like a piano. Is that why you, is that why you preferred having the actual upright with you? Yeah, essentially. And keyboard sounds have gotten a lot better since mm -hmm. the two thousands. Mm -hmm. Since uh, those days. Yeah. But there's still a limitation that can't be replicated with a, then a real can't to be replicated uh, on a keyboard, which is, uh, there's a limit to the how loud a keyboard can get. So there's MIDI is 128 possibilities, which seems like a lot. But once you hit, but it's not too, it's pretty easy to get the ceiling to hit 128. So once you hit 128, um, that's as loud as you go. So you can't push it any harder. But piano has no limit. So our, the band, the band was called Return of Simple. And we would, we, we played with a ton of energy. And anytime I played with the keyboard, it was just the energy would top off. And, uh, I didn't like it. So yeah. I wanted to have limitless energy. So a piano, you know, it's a lot harder to mic and actually get the sound good and stay in tune. There's lots of other issues with it. <laughs> the tuning but, alone. Uh, uh, the energy wise, you can't beat it. Yeah. yeah can't replicate true. it. Now do you have, any, uh, do you have a preferred, preferred piano brand? Is there a particular brand of piano or manufacturer that you like the sound and feel of? Or Steinway's the best. There's no, there's no comparison. Uh, Yamaha's are close behind. Bosendorfer's are close behind too. Yamaha owns Bosendorfer now. Um, this is a Boston piano, which I love the sound. Oh, okay. Um, and a Boston is designed by Steinway, but but uh, manufactured not. somewhere else by a different right. piano maker. I think it might be Young Chang or Kawhi. I'm actually yeah, not sure. Training, right. So don't. Yeah, it's it's made somewhere else, and it's. It's not the quality of a Steinway, but I, um, I do love the sound. But the, if I could afford it, a, a Steinway would be a brand new Steinway would be what I get. Yeah. Well, you're you're sitting at the piano here, and I know you said that you you might play something for us tonight. Do you want to go ahead and and do that now? Yeah, I'll play something. He didn't give you a choice. choice. I could play. <laughs> what you, you say? Castlevania? I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, we could. Do, I could do Castlevania. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. We could. I could do a bunch of things. Um, 
I could, yeah, I could easily do that. So, um, yeah, why not? Do you really want to hear Castlevania or? Uh, sure. I was kind of half joking, but I do, I do enjoy the music. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do this. It was one of my favorite games on the NES. So. I'll do Castlevania two. Did you have that one? Yes, I did. All right, we'll do Castlevania two. So, I, I mentioned oh, earlier cool. that I was I was working on the Mega Man two soundtrack, and it got stuck because it was so hard. And then. Um, a couple of years later, I had a student. He was like, hey, I want to learn Bloody Tears, which is this melody. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we came up with an arrangement that he could play. And I was like, man, I bet I could do something cool with that if I just take all the voices and put them on piano. And um, I kind of whipped up a version for that. And then that this song kind of ins- really inspired the 88-bit concept where I was like, I could just do a bunch of Nintendo games. I don't have to do just Mega Man 2. Let's just do as many as I can. So hopefully you can hear me okay. You can hear this okay, yeah? Yeah. Yes. Oh, right, yeah. I've got it mic'd up and everything. Um, so this was really the first, one of the first songs I, that, this was the song that kind of inspired the whole 88-bit thing. This is uh, Bloody Tears from Castlevania 2: Simon's Quest, composed by Kenichi Matsubara. That's it. Wow, that was crazy. That was so good. That was great. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you for taking me back to my, oh, that was so great. <laughs> that was fantastic hearing it like live. You know, there's just something so visceral about hearing live music played mm-hmm. versus a record, even just a recording of that is just not the same. Mm-hmm. That was, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Love thank you. Love yeah. 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 Something you know, else. You mentioned yeah, hearing that song live. Like if, if I played the um, the original version um, for my parents or some, or for example, you know they're not going to respond to it. <laughs> they're not going to. They don't right. like. They're not going to respond to the blips and bloops that people even like. I will because I grew up with it. But um, unless you play the game, you might not respond to that. But you could, also the, the volume is you know it's pretty much the same the whole time. Whereas with the live instrument, 
I can, you, can you, yeah. you just get a, another level of energy that um, brings, I feel brings new life to this music and hopefully connects with more people that wouldn't necessarily connect with it had they not played the game. Right. What is oh, it? Totally. It's amazing. Ali, I go. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I'm just going to gush. So I'm just going to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your favorite song to play? If you, I'm sorry if you already said this, but. Oh, it's kind of been changing. Um, I still love to play um, Airman by from Mega Man 2, which is one of the first ones, first one I really ever did. Um, yeah, but lately one. also um, Final Fantasy VII main theme. So that's not Ooh. NES. That's super, that's a PlayStation. That's um, PlayStation. I did an arrangement it's still a that. good song. Yeah, it's so, it's such a good song. I've never even played the game to be honest because I don't you know damn PlayStation. But um, the whole soundtrack for the that, the that soundtrack's game is gorgeous pretty, and that theme yeah. is yeah. so moving. Even if you've never played the game, this the theme is just right. gorgeous. You're um, absolutely right. So I did an arrangement of that for a Mega Ran album. If, uh, if you know Mega Ran, he's basically the yeah. king of nerdcore. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, he wanted an arrangement of that for his Black Material remake. So I did it. I did an arrangement of that and then released it also <clears throat> on my own. And that's been one of my favorites, uh, favorites to play. Wow. So I noticed that you didn't, you weren't, uh, you don't have any like sheet music in front of you. Like, do you just, do you have all these memorized now at this point? Is that basically how it works? I have a lot of stuff that, memorized. That blows my mind even more. <laughs> that, oh yeah. I that think was he so had complicated and it's all up here. Yeah. Uh, my eyes were open for that, they're, they're, uh, but because I have to do a lot of jumping, so there's I have to see jumps. for that there's one. Well, you know, you see yeah, penis, they like, they get so into it. Their <laughs> eyes are closed. It's like, are you sleeping up there? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. It depends on what you're playing. When you have a lot of jumps like that, you need to look. But yeah, uh, you, want, you, right here, you can feel it, then you can get away with not looking. But um, that I'll look at. Uh, yeah, so uh, most of the stuff I've committed to memory. Uh, um, some of it I'll start to forget if I haven't played it in a while because it can be very complex. But all my concerts are all from memory. So if I like, I end up doing a lot of conventions, um, and I feel as a as a pianist, you should be performing from memory no matter what. And you see classical pianists; Absolutely. they all they all perform from memory. They don't have it's they don't push music up yeah. there because mm -hmm. um, essentially, if you don't remember it, you don't know it. Mm -hmm. If you need to use music as a reference, you don't know it as well as you could know it. Sure, it's okay to play from music sometimes, but if you're going to do a concert. If I'm going to do a concert, I'm going to do it uh, from memory, unless I'm doing something that's like song request based for like, okay, I'm not going to have hundreds of right, thousands of songs memorized. Uh, I might use a reference. But if I'm going to do a, a concert like this of my own arrangements, then yeah, it's not going to be, I want to know it as well as I possibly can. And that means I have to know it. It has to be, I have to remember how, I have to remember it. Mm -hmm. Do you bring it with you, you just in case? Like the sheet music? Or do you no. just, no. Don't no. even give yourself that option. I, then you'll use just like uh, just like the degree. It's if just he gets it, he'll use it. So. Use it. Right. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Um, I have it here when I need to relearn stuff. But no, I'm not. So even if like you forget something and that happens, like uh, you have a mistake or a memory slip, there's lots of different types of there's several different types of memory that that you know you're, you're working with. Um, there's your oral memory, which is just remembering how it goes, which we all have. Like when you sing along with the radio, that's using your um, oral memory. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's pretty strong with most people. So if I forget like some notes or if I lose a pattern, then I can kind of hum along and at least kind of get the melody and keep the music going, even if it's not exactly what's right. Uh, then of course you have your kinesthetic memory or muscle memory or procedural memory. Um, so remembering what it feels like and then remembering the pattern. So if that goes, then you can, again, that's kind of the first thing that will go. You can use your other, uh, 
other other memories, long term memory, like knowing the theory. Um, so I all know, I know this stuff. Usually, I should pretty well, so that if if one memory fails, uh, I can rely on something else to keep the music mm-hmm. going. Yeah. And you mentioned doing uh, conventions. That's where I actually heard you for the first time at Cleveland Gaming Classic. And wh- while we were talking there, you uh, told me about and introduced me to uh, a virtual reality game that you're scoring now, right? Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. Oh man, I'm so, I'm so excited about this. Um, so this is uh, a game called Straylight. S-T-R-A-Y-L-I-G-H-T, one word. You can wishlist it on Steam. It's for VR. It's going to be on every platform. It'll be on PlayStation VR. That's kind of what we're waiting for the most. Uh, we're we're yes, waiting we for certification from PlayStation, but it should be on everything else. Oculus <sighs> Quest, Oculus Rift, uh, uh, the Vive, and uh, all that stuff uh, in the Index. And it's basically a space platformer. Right. Mm. Fun. You... There's this abstract world. And I actually compare, I compare this game to Marble Madness similarly because it's you try to get from A to B. You're in this weird abstract world um, and there's weird obstacles in the way and you just try to f- kind of fly through space using sort of like a grappling mechanism that you swing and connect and fling yourself from, from uh, node to node. And it's just an incredible experience in VR because you feel like you're flying. Mm. Yeah, and I did get a chance to play that. I, I would almost even compare it to like being Spider-Man a little bit. Like as yeah, Spider-Man try, space. I which you know kind of makes me think that you know Spider-Man uh, you know is not as realistic as I would hope because that was really hard. <laughs> and I noticed someone uh, Tiggs in our audience said uh, Straylight Level Two is really cool. I I wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> But that's me. I don't have the kind of coordination, but it was really, really interesting and amazing. And uh, just you're using the, you know, little controllers to like shoot your grapple or your web, if you will, the Spider-Man. Yeah. And then you then you pull yourself t- towards and through hoops like and hoops, different things right? like that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's super fun. And that what what's you, what you're describing it, the uh, mechanism that is what's kind of difficult about the game. And that's what is what that's what makes it fun. The mm-hmm. movement of it, the controlling the character, which is we don't you don't get that you don't get that in video games too often. Like a new way to move, it's pretty you know you either have a, a joystick or a button and you press up and, and the controller moves. But uh, VR allows for like this again. It's like uh, it's like the Wild West of video games to me. Mm-hmm. It allows for creativity in areas that you haven't seen creativity in video games for a while. Yeah, I can't compare I, it to Marble Madness. Marble Madness was the first game that used sure. uh, the marble. The trackball. Oh, uh, yeah, right? trackball, which was yeah, a really new way ball. to move your character. Yeah. Similar, yeah. we have this kind of thing in Straylight where, yeah, movement of your arm is what um, speeds you up. Yeah, it's very oh, satisfying neat. when you get on like a little run. Like I was like, oh, I'm getting through a bunch of these. And then, yeah, I would lose <laughs> it. It's fall, uh, you know, but it's it's very satisfying when you're, when you're doing well at it. But I, yeah, I wasn't, and I've, I, I got to say that's probably only the second VR game I've ever played in my life. So <laughs> I wasn't yeah. completely sure what I was. So I'm, I'm just going to use that as my excuse for how as poorly I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about where the inspiration comes from to compose a soundtrack for a game just out of whole cloth. Right. Yeah. Um, the inspiration. Well, I'll tell you how I got on the team in the first place. Um, there was these two guys who were doing a, 
Global Game Jam, which is basically a 48-hour event that you try to make a game from scratch and you have 48 hours to do it. So they were doing this. And then a friend of mine who um, I'd worked with on short films for a similar project called the 48-hour film project. So the same idea. You have 48 hours to make a film from scratch. I would score the films for those. Um, he brought me on board for this game to do the music for the game. And he also brought our uh, uh, director who did a lot of the movies. He came on board too. So the five of us have been working on this game now for about four years. Um, so the inspiration for the music part um, came from a couple of places. We kind of started with an 80s theme, like thinking like gra- 80s kind of graphics and <laughs> like Tron type colors and things like that. Yeah. So I was like, I all right, well, I've got this 80s that. synth, this Prophet 5. I'll use that for the soundtrack. And then um, the game itself is, um, it has changed since the beginning, but the main concept was always there. That it was basically that mechanic flying through space in VR with no, you know, you have no ground, really. You're kind of just floating. So musically, you can you can recreate recreate that in several ways. My way of doing it is to, uh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of music theory, but like you, you kind of have no tonal foundation. It's kind of tonally ambiguous. It's you never you never feel like you arrive like it's something like this. Like I hit that mm-hmm. last chord, and you, it feels like mm, okay, that's over now. <laughs> so you never get that you never get that feeling that it's over. It just kind of keeps looping. Um, like that that just kind of goes in a circle that's a a basic example of how you can that uh you can take that concept so that's the main inspiration for almost the entire uh soundtrack just abstract music i can pretty much do whatever i want um nice and so that's been inspiring and it's all synthesizers so that's also something new for me that i've never tried before that's really cool and that's so they can find out more about that at drb Block, B-L-O-C.com, right? Yeah, Dr. Block without a K. Yeah. That's the name of the game company. DrBlock.com. Or you can just type in Straylight and, and on Steam, and, Steam. And, you'll, and you'll find it there too. Right. Is it on early access right now? Or? There is an early access version. Um, okay. You can, yeah. So we've made a lot of updates since the early access version came out. Mm. We are hoping for release uh I we haven't made an official announcement yet, but I know when our release is. So I don't like I don't, I can't say yet, but it's this this <laughs> year. It'll be, it'll be out right, this right. year, so you can wish list it for sure. And, and no, and you have no idea when it'll be available on PSVR. I, I do have an idea. <laughs> oh, okay, good. We're oh, hoping good. for April. This we're year. hoping for April. Yeah, that's nice. oh, wow. what we're hoping for. So pretty yeah, soon, it's coming up fast. Yeah. Well, I then I'm gonna have to come over Utah because I don't have VR. I do I have, have PSVR. PSVR. I don't have I don't have an Oculus yet. I want to get one because I like the fact that you don't need a computer for the Oculus. Right. <laughs> yeah. Same. I, I will say the Oculus Quest and Quest Two is the best way to play this particular game because you don't have any all wires. Right. It's just all. Yeah, contained. that's the thing. Is so. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly. And you end up looking at you the end quest. up getting turned around a lot. So um, it's fine with the wire too. You just have to be somewhat aware of it, just like any VR game. But it's really right. fun to not have to worry about that. And the Quest Two is the way to play it. Okay, well done. I guess I'm just going to... Not, not just right convince now. convince Karen. Well, that I guess was, we got to get well, an Oculus. No, Rob not, Kovac said I had to well, get one. It's documented and it's live. That, you know, <laughs> That's right. Rob Kovac, 88-bit said uh, to get the Quest 2. So I'm on, I'm on, I'm on it right now. Uh, well, Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And it's just amazing. Your talent is just 
something else. And oh, I I mean, I mentioned at the beginning, I, I saw you on Facebook that you had uh, you were you were playing when Wicked was in town, right? How how did yeah. that come about? I want to ask that first because I almost <sighs> forgot. I've I know I've done so many different types of gigs as far as a piano. If a piano is involved, I've probably done it at some point. So I've been mm. doing musical theater for um, for years, and I've always kind of wanted to uh, get. Uh, get more into like the Playhouse Square stuff. Um, when I, I lived in New York City for a bit too, and I, I never played on Broadway, but I got to like shadow on Broadway. But basically, I got to sit in the pit and watch and kind of oh, see how it goes. Cool. So that was pretty. I did that twice. Once was actually for Wicked too. So that was pretty awesome. Oh, that's pretty. That's awesome. Yeah. They, uh, so I got to see kind of how it works, and that was just really helpful. Um, so I'm in the union. You have to be in the music union to be able to play these these shows, mm-hmm. and. Um, um, there aren't many people, you know, there aren't many seats. There aren't many people who get a chance to do it. Um, right. so I've been, but I've been in the union for years. I've done other things and finally got a call to do my first show right before the pandemic. I did, um, white Christmas was in town. So I did that for a week. That, nice. Uh, that was November, 2019. And then, wow. uh, pandemic hit, then there were no more shows. And then this is, I think the first one back or one of the first ones back that had, uh, play a uh, local some local players in it and um the contractor knew me and he gave me a call to do this show and i was one of you know two local keyboard players there are four keyboard players in the show three of them tour oh, wow. so i played keyboard four and then nice. our, our other local guy was the the sub for key two which is really the harder of the two jobs that's like i got to play one. my sure, part every show point. and get very good at it. He had to come in just a few times, but he's also done that show like 10 times. Like he's done it for years. So he knows that oh. book cold. Um, so yeah, it was an awesome experience. I will, I will say. I had no idea. That's how it worked. I just assumed everybody that was there is on the bus and touring together. I had no idea that occasionally they pulled in local. Uh, yeah. It depends on the show. And, it depends, it depends on, on the, the show. show. So like Hamilton, everybody tours. Uh, yeah, uh, they don't mess uh, with Evan Hansen, everybody's touring. But uh, shows yeah. like this, the Wicked is that's a mix. The drummer tours, but like the trumpet player is local. Yeah, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, Bill Schaefer, does that sometimes. Oh yeah, too. Bill Schaefer, that's right. Yeah, he was the key too. Oh, you so. know Bill? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bill was playing tonight at uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. He was. Or I, I don't know if he played he, tonight, he but he was just, the sub for that too. He had mentioned he was going to do some stuff for Jesus Christ Superstar, so I was excited for him. Bill is an incredible <laughs> player. He, he yeah, he's, what he's I insane. To. Yeah, he's really insanely such a talented. great sight reader. Um, he can. I I can't even. Yeah, it, it amazed his sight reading skills just amazed me. I was just like, same. It, you you haven't played this, <laughs> yeah, but this is this is it starts going, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked with him on a local production of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and I was like, how did oh. you you sit you 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 didn't know this before how Why? <laughs> yeah man he's he's insane when it comes to sight reading he's so good wow. yeah it, it, he's a machine Maybe we did we a, get him on the show too yeah he's great we, wow. we did a show before the pandemic we did mama mia i was playing there's four keyboards in that book show too so i had one yes. part and he had his part and one day we just like before the show just like took a look at each other's parts and he sat down in front of mine. I was like, yeah, here's this here's a more difficult one that I had to practice a little bit. And, <laughs> you know, he just nails it. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. Just like right there. I had to work yeah. on that. <laughs> I play keyboard. For, I play, I play keyboard, keyboard four for Mamma Mia. And, uh, you play keyboard four for Mamma Mia. Nice. Oh, I wow. did. Well, I mean, it was just for a local community theater production, but it was fun because they needed a keyboard four, but I was also ensemble in the show, but I also moved <laughs> some sets. 
So they were oh all picking goodness. on me because I did like all three phases of musical theater that show. Wow. Yeah. Really? Wow. <laughs> what theater it was, was fun that? though. I, uh, it was a Cassidy theater in Parma oh, Heights. Oh yeah. That's really close to me. Yeah. That's so, awesome. yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever do that again though. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I can't even imagine a, how that works. There was a lot of running, there was a lot of running around. I, I didn't really get a break cause I was either playing or moving something or changing costumes. Oh my goodness. But it was, it, it was enjoy. It, it's a good time. I, I enjoy theater. So uh, that's cool. That's awesome. You play musicals because that's not an easy gig by any means. It's fun. It yeah. is fun. It it's is fun. difficult, but fun. <laughs> well, again, so yeah, I was getting ready to close it, but then I had to ask that. So I'm glad I did. <laughs> yeah. um, but we are grateful that you uh, came to be with us tonight, Rob. It's just absolutely amazing. I want to make sure that you have a chance to tell everybody how they can find you. I've got uh, up on the screen right now is your Rob Kovacs music.com and your social media is at Rob Kovacs music. What can they find there? Um, there is, they'll mostly find my album and uh, they'll also find some like press that I've written some articles that have been interviews or things that have been written about me or the album. That's the mostly find that at Rob Kovacs music.com uh, and some socials. Uh, if you want to connect with me outside, uh, other places to find my music, Spotify is great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's the two projects. There's both Rob Kovacs and then there's 88-bit. You can find that on Spotify as well. Um, mo- more stuff's on YouTube because not everything is releasable on um, mm. on uh. streaming services. That's a whole interesting, co- that's a fascinating copyright so- <laughs> topic about old video game music. What a mess. It is. It's. It's not, yeah, it's so weird. It's not even considered like music necessarily because like I, I mentioned earlier, it wasn't recorded. It's performed by, it's code. So it doesn't fall in the so, same laws. Yeah, so unless the company so actually released the soundtrack separately, it's very difficult to actually release it um, tech, legally, technically. Yeah, so It's like the laws didn't, uh, the laws haven't caught up with the technology yet. And so. Yeah. It did. So YouTube's a great spot. Um, uh, you can also find me on Twitch. I do. I've performed a lot on Twitch lately. Uh, cool. Twitch.tv slash Rob Kovacs. I stream three days a week, currently Tuesdays at 2, Thursdays at 6, Saturdays at 10 p.m. And that uh, I've, that has been a lot of fun. I've been on the front page this past month in January. Wow. That was crazy. Congratulations. Yes, yes congratulations. Yeah, I was, I'm so lucky to have had that opportunity. And that was awesome. So those, those are the main places. Instagram, Twitter. Twitch, those are the main ones. Yeah. You can also go to 88bitmusic.com. No, I forgot that. That's, so if you want that's more the, the 88-bit Yeah, that's stuff. the one I have on screen right now. Uh, and your social media for that is at 88bit on Twitter, but then you add music.com on Instagram, right? So it's like... Yeah, 88-bit music on, on Instagram. I, I, like I said, I almost had... I had 88-bit music almost everywhere, but now I'm, I'm trying to get like just 88-bit. But... Um, Cause that's what, that's what I use as the artist name. So Twitter, sure. I managed to get just 88 bit like recently, like <laughs> the account, the account was already taken and then it went dormant long enough where I could like grab it. Yeah. Nice. Snatch it up. Good, good, awesome. good. And I then uh, you want, and so we wanted to share your Patreon, patreon.com slash 88 bit. What can people find there? Yeah. I started the Patreon at the same time I started 88 bit, uh, which has kind of helped put, push this project or keep it alive really. So they can find, um, I give out all my um, recordings, anything I do under that name, whether it's a collab or solo. Uh, I send that to all the subs- uh, all the patrons. Uh, $5 and up, I'll send out the sheet music. That's currently the only place that I share the sheet music of my arrangements. 
And oh, you can really? also, $15 and up, you can get in the video. And then all they're just like kind of random stuff I'll put uh, on Patreon. Uh, but that's really the best way to support the 88-bit project is nice. Patreon. So if you like what you hear and you're enjoying that, that's a great way to to stay uh, stay apprised of what's going on with Rob. Again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, again, absolutely amazing. We hope to have you back again in the future. If you if you drop any new albums or anything like that, make sure to let us know. We'd love to have you back to talk about that. Um, I will. Thanks. Thank uh, you. So thanks to Utah and Aaliyah for being here. Next week, we've got um, Mellow Brown. Yeah, Mellow Brown is, uh, he's a, a writer, um, has stuff on Stars, Apple TV, but he's currently writing for the Blade Runner prequel uh, series comic book. Uh, so I can't wait to talk about that because I love Blade Runner, love that world, and uh, this guy's getting to play in it. So we'll be back next week, same time, uh, same place which would be seven o'clock. Sorry, you can hear me looking for my button. Uh, <laughs> same place uh, right here on uh, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook. Uh, we'll keep doing it on all, all three of those. Make sure you follow us to uh, keep apprised. And um, we're at World Gun Geek pretty much everywhere. We have a Patreon too. Um, you can join that. Uh, it's World Gun Geek. Join me as a patron, guys. Yeah, Utah is our only patron right now. We're just, we just, uh, you know, we haven't been pushing that. And it's well much. worth it. I'm getting much, it's such a value. I'm getting <laughs> he gets so much to be on money. the show. How cool is that? That's right. That is How not one that? of the perks. I want to make sure <laughs> to make that clear. Um, but we might feature you in a 90 second geek rant or something like that. So make sure to check that out. And we'll see. the song ended because I was, I was <laughs> we were joking around too much. Uh, thanks again for watching, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great one. The Podcast is Real is a World Gone Geek production.